If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this extra awesome episode of the Mind Pump, uh, for 45 minutes, the first 45 minutes, we do our introductory conversation. We don't talk a whole lot about fitness, but here's what we covered in that part. I start out by talking about macadamia nut milk. We got uh, nutty, huh, Sal? <laughs> oh, the dad jokes Sorry. are hitting hard. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, anyway, so Can't macadamia nut milk, delicious, game changer. I got mine from Thrive Market, uh, one of the largest online retailers of non-GMO and organic products, including cleaning products, including pet products, and of course, food. If you go to thrivemarket.com forward slash mind pump, we got you a hookup. We're going to get you a, me- a month free membership and we'll get you 25% off your first order. Then we talked about a little current events. Uh, we talked about what happened with uh, Jesse Smollett. Mm. That's the guy that hired people to beat him up and then pretend like it was a hate crime. Shame on you. Crazy. Crazy, crazy. I brought up uh, the uh, the Defense Communications Board and how the president apparently has the power to control all electronic communication. I did not know this. It's been around for a long time. Kind of scary. Yeah. Uh, Adam brought up a show on Problem. Prime called The Man in the High Tower. Sounds like a cool show. And then I talk about uh, the Ted Bundy series on Netflix. Uh, so you're fully freaked out by that point. Yeah. Uh, we love murderers. Then we talk about the effect of awareness and perceptions on behavior. I mentioned how Justin's beard is looking extra sexy. I am a man. He had to fight Adam off earlier this morning. Uh, And we complimented Justin on his new Viore Chino pants. Uh, They look like they sound. They kind of look like Dickies, but they're comfortable and flexible and stretchy. And uh, we like Viore. Great, great clothing company. So many compliments about me. I didn't know how to take it. If you go to Viore Clothing, V-U-O-R-I, clothing.com forward slash mind pump, we got you a fat 25% off your first order. Uh, then Adam talks about his 20-year high school reunion. Now you do the math, you can see how old he actually is. <laughs> Pretty cool. Uh, and then that was it for the intro. Then we get into the fitness part of this episode. So here's the first fitness question. It was, uh, look, why do we talk bad about CrossFit when all of us haven't really tried it for a long time? So I know you guys, some of you are sick of me, us talking about CrossFit. Uh, some Why of you won't you drink our Kool-Aid, ap- man? Apparently aren't sick of us talking about it. So we talk about CrossFit and why we don't like their programming, but we give our good reasons. And yeah, we're right. Uh, the next question, is there a practical reason why powerlifters tend to be higher in body fat? So what are the benefits of being higher in body fat for powerlifters? And then, of course, in that part of the episode, we get into a discussion about this new trend of females getting into powerlifting, which we think is awesome. Good part of the episode. Next question. Uh, this person sen- spends a lot of time sitting down. What are some things they can do to minimize the potential negative effects that come from just sitting on your butt all day long? And the final question. This is for the trainers out there. How do you build confidence in yourself as a trainer besides just getting more experience? So we give some good teachings in that part of the episode. Also, uh, this month, MAPS Performance our functional athletic-based workout program. In other words, you're going to do all kinds of different movements, different exercises. You're going to focus on maximal strength. You're going to focus on agility. You're going to focus even on endurance. And you're going to develop a body that looks like it could do all of those things. So think about that for a second. Strong, 
agile, fast, endurance. What does that look like naked? Looks pretty damn good. <laughs> anyway, that's what Maps Performance is designed Sexy. for, and it's 50% off this month. Just go onto the site, mapsfitnessproducts.com, and make sure you use the code GREEN50, G-R-E-E-N, Five zero for the fifty percent off, and by the way, Maps Performance has been updated. There's a new version on there right now. If you already have Maps Performance, you're updated automatically. Uh, but go check it out. It's a nice looking revamp. Good job, Justin. He set that all up. Yeah. Also on that site, MapsFitnessProducts.com, you can learn about our other Maps programs and workouts designed for different goals and different individuals. Bro, uh, macadamia nut milk game. Changer. Okay, so I haven't used mine yet. It's in the it's in the refrigerator. I'm Doug ordered it from uh, Thrive the last time we Mac did it. Got mine, so I haven't used Damien it. Damien it up, huh? Macadamia nut milk is a game changer. So I drank all the one that Doug got us from uh, Thrive Market, which I don't remember what the price was because uh, I, I got. It was I got, like a, he said it was like a dollar more than like almond milk and stuff. Yeah, it, it's a dollar less than Whole Foods. That's it, it, and so I went to Sprouts. So is it like creamier? Like tell, why yes. is it better? The, it's the it's it's mild and the mouth feel is really really good. Which you know, and I don't know why you do your eyebrows like that. <laughs> Made feel weird. I mean, yes, we are. You're really know. selling me on the mouth feel. Yeah. Like, you know, people don't realize <laughs> this. Okay, dude. But mouth feel is a huge component in palatability. It's why nitro brew no, coffee totally. is so amazing. It's the yes. mouth feel. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's the way it feels inside it your mouth. Not That's about just, the science. Like, tell me that doesn't sound weird though. Like you saying that out loud. It wasn't weird, but then when you yeah. did your eyebrows, yeah, right. as I'm saying, <laughs> made you feel weird. But anyway, I, I know what you're talking about though. Yeah, but, it's yeah. that got that like creamy texture yeah know? see i don't like to say creamy that's worse but i'll i, I got it i and what i do post-workout is i uh, i i pour about a cup and a half or two cups in like a little blender i add this i don't recommend this is uh, do at your own risk uh all uh, is i'll put uh four to six raw egg yolks for the cholesterol then i'll add a little bit of protein powder for flavor Blend it up. It's the best post workout. It's got the it's got the proteins. It's got the cholesterol for the repair. Um, now I don't recommend raw eggs because the salmone- salmonella risk. However, if you do your research, you'll find that good, well sourced eggs have something like one out of twenty thousand of them mm. might have salmonella. So it's actually quite quite low risk. Um, but anyway, that's what I do, and it's fucking delicious. And then here's the other thing: when you go on Thrive, I went on Thrive Market to buy the macadamia nut milk because it's so much cheaper there than it is at sprouts they also have this like free gift thing you could do on thrive so i was asking doug about this where you can you can qualify to get like free products and free gifts by buying groceries. oh like so you get like a rewards sort of points for the amount of purchases you make or yeah you know you get things to try out basically so you can get different products in oh, fact they'll send you smart. an email they That's probably great. they probably target you with things that are mo- like if you you're buy most likely to yes like. if you buy this and this you're most right likely to like, so for example, I get emails from Thrive Market and they will send out to me like today's free gift is this if you order. And I've gotten some pretty cool things like some hot cocoa mix and things like that. Mm-hmm. So nice. that's definitely worthwhile. And then one more thing I think you ought to mention about Thrive Market 
is that you can actually divert some of your savings over to people in need, yeah. which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's I'll, awesome they do that. I'll tell you something else you should mention about Thrive Market, that I think this is uh, the last commercial of their contract. We've been with them for almost 10 years, and if you don't... If you don't if <laughs> Longer you, than mine pump. Yeah. yeah, if you don't, if you don't have... I mean, the, uh, when the internet came out, I was talking about them. Uh, I, if you don't have... Would you, how long did you guys think I said? I said two years. You, you said, said 10, 10 years. Dude. No, I said two. <laughs> You guys are ten. We all heard that. We'll replay it. So here's what we'll do. If you're listening to the podcast, hit pause, (laughs) rewind. Uh, If he said ten, just DM Adam. Or we're just the assholes. (laughs) Either way. No, you guys are the assholes. I for sure said two. Uh, Because I, I, (laughs) 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 you'll you'll sound like it after you hear the episode. So it's okay though. We uh, for two years confidence. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know when you say something right, and you know when you say something wrong. I I also know there's a disconnect sometimes between the brain and the mouth. Years. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Anyway, what were you trying yeah. to say? Two Adam? years. Is that we have had a contract with them for two years now, and uh, they this is the final commercial that we have with them, which means that we may not have the this offer uh, going forward if we do not renew. So that's something that uh, our audience, if you've been kind of on the fence of trying Thrive Market out, you're yeah, not. Yeah, you get sure a free yet. month membership, twenty five percent off your first order. Right. So, so take advantage of that uh, for sure, because I'm not sure if that's something that we will be going for. Yeah, but for, yeah, I keep. Restocking my Dr. Bronner's uh, uh, soaps and all that, dude. I'd live off that stuff. Their soaps? Yeah. I like their, uh, they also have something called Sal's Suds, which oh, immediately really? drew me in because the name well, I thought was course. brilliant. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Sal's Suds. <laughs> the yeah. name is brilliant. But it's like a cleaning product for your kitchen and it's natural and it works really well. Yeah, I just like the, it's just, I don't know, just knowing that I've cleared a lot of, uh, you know, chemicals, like I've at least lowered the exposure on some level. Yeah. So uh, I want to ask you guys about what's the deal? Have you guys been reading about this? Uh, was it the Empire actor? Oh, Jesse Smollett. Dude. Yeah. Oh. Fucking blowing wow. up. Well, wow. you know you know what was funny? I, I actually was just watching uh, Ben Shapiro respond to this uh, a couple of days ago. And, you know, shame on the left for mm-hmm. jumping all over this mm-hmm. shit right away. Because you've seen it. There's a lot of big name politicians that right away got, uh, as soon as this in, came out, were quick to make a big well, deal about it, yep. and now, now it's kind of... To, well, yeah, to their defense. That, that would have been great, for, you know, campaign-wise for them to be like, yeah, like, I, I see, see what's happening? Well, to their defense, there's a few things that are happening. First off, uh, the right has done that as well. So it's yeah. the, I think it's the media, and, and my personal opinion is that the media, especially mainstream media, is... They're they're clawing at everything they possibly can because they're dying and they're they're mm-hmm. they're losing uh, viewers they're losing uh, readers uh, to a, at a very very rapid rate and so what they're trying to do is be the first ones to come out with enraging news and so nobody's really fact checking or waiting to see what the truth is and they're all jumping on it politicians have always 100%. done that politicians are opportunists that's just what they do they look at an opportunity they jump on it now it just so happens that. The left has done this now a couple times, one after another, because before this, there were those kids from the Catholic school that were getting yelled at by the uh, the, the the black Israelites, and they were you know they were getting ha- you know hammered. Then the Native American drummer went up and drummed in that kid's face, and the media jumped on it and said that the kids were being racist or whatever. And then the a whole video came out to show that they were not mm-hmm. being that way. That made them look her- terrible. Now we got this case where this dude said. Hey, I got attacked because I'm gay and black, and he fucking planned it. And it was fabricated. Not only he paid for the whole yeah, thing. The whole thing was orchestrated. Yeah, and yeah. then the other thing too like, that this uh, this is pointing out is that um, we're at a time now where being a victim is empowering. 
So people want to be, they want people to know how victimized they are. It's like this empowering thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You, guys, you guys read about what, what uh, his, his motives, right? Why he said he did this? Or no, what they're saying? No, I was just he, assuming. I, he still, I thought he was still denying Trump it. down on some level. Well, so he had, this is what the speculation is. Apparently he got this like anti-gay uh, letter and he complained to his bosses and he didn't, he didn't think that, they, that there was a strong enough reaction. Uh. So he planned this whole deal to get more of a reaction. Uh, but then he, I mean, obviously this he got is a, it. Terrible. So okay, and and so he hired two. Uh, let me get the story straight. Like so, he he hired some people to beat him up, beat him up. Like like they actually like physically harmed him. Yep. And so the guys that he hired were Africans, Africans from Africa. Yeah. yeah. I guess one of them was a bodyguard that worked. Uh, he kind of knew them or whatever. But he paid these guys to beat him up, and then afterwards he said that they yelled. You know that oh my attackers yelled. Uh, racist things, uh, they homophobic had, they, things. MAGA. They had MAGA hats on, you know. So he was blaming the, you know, trying to identify them as like, these right wing. Now I think people. it's comical because what a what a shitty idea had gone bad here, right? Like you pay somebody, so you're out the money. You got the ass whooping, and you didn't get the outcome that you wanted from all this. Like, oh yeah, that really none of your desired results yeah, out yeah, of this yeah, whole process. That Dude. really, it just completely backfired, and it's backfiring on the politicians who jumped yeah. on it, and right. it, because they jumped on it right away, and they're like insinuating that this is a, the this is the result of you know Trump's politics, right? Well, it's so, and it, now and now they look bad, and it, all it does is feed into his whole like fake news liberal, and it bias. devalues like real problems out there of yeah. like people like experiencing real like racist homophobic like beatings and things like you know and you're like just putting it out there and it's completely fake it's terrible i think it's terrible but i think I, i'm hoping that the and i don't think they're gonna learn this lesson now, are, are, but i want the media to be to slow down a little bit so that they don't jump all over because this this completely yeah, devalues your sources yeah like, completely. let's get back to that yeah and, and what's gonna end up happening is it's just when they do polls on people's trust of the media it's like at all-time lows. I mean, all-time lows. People just don't trust or believe yeah. what they have to say, so it's an interesting time. I think it's like you said. Like, I really do feel this sense of a dying uh, animal, you know, like the, the, the media that we've experienced forever and ever. Like, they really only have one card left in their sleeve to get attention, and it's to be as extreme and, and, and you know, polarizing. shock-worthy as, yeah, and polarizing as possible to get your attention. Otherwise, like, we're all elsewhere. Like, we're listening to rational people on podcasts or, like, you know, like, like internet streaming, you know, like, like TV shows we actually want to watch that aren't, like, all super biased. Yeah, so. and, and social media encourages uh, some of this behavior a little bit because, uh, statistically speaking, people are far more likely to share absurd uh, article titles that uh, strengthen their own political belief. So the crazier and the worse it is, the more likely they are to, to share it yeah. um, versus like feel good type of stuff. People are far less likely to share that kind of stuff. So it, it actually amplifies the problem even more. Now, is he getting in trouble for any of this other than the backlash that he's feeling? From- oh dude, he's going to get, he's, oh, he, he's going to get he a lot has of trouble. To. Yeah. yeah. You got to get in trouble for this kind of shit. That's yeah. what I'm wondering. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know if illegal trouble, I don't know about that. But this has got to ruin his career. Yeah. I mean, if you get proved, if you literally paid people to beat you up so you could make up a story about what, how, uh, you, that you were a victim of something, it would piss off everybody. It would piss off people on the right who are like, screw you for trying to blame, you know, us for, you know, something that you totally fabricated. And I think it would hurt people 
who've actually been victims of stuff like this. Well, that's, of course. that's where I find the biggest harm in the whole thing. Yeah, because it turns into the boy that cried wolf, you know, and it, it fucks everybody else, right? 100%. It's yeah, terrible. I'd be pissed off and, about somebody who really got, you know, beat up. Yeah, and speaking of, of media, so I read this article the other day. I want to—I uh, forgot who sent it. I want to say it was Enzo uh, that sent this article. The kid's been doing a good job with some of these articles that he's been sending. But uh, I didn't know this. Um, actually, I kind of did know this, but I know the details of it. So did you guys know that in a state of emergency that the president has the unilateral power to control all, like 100% of all electronic communications? Wow. How? Well, so this happened Is in- Is that like the emergency, like you get the that 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 buzz that happens every now and then when mm-hmm. like a you know a flash flood or something happens like they have access to your phones like that well it was uh it was right around i think it was 1941 uh or that this happened and they you know roosevelt directed uh the government to be able to, to to be able to do this and so they had created there was something called the the defense communications board um and it was this was created to to co- coordinate all communications in case of war or other national emergencies. And the FCC and the DCB, which is, I just mentioned, the uh, Defense Communication Board, they're empowered by something that was created in 1934 called the Communications Act, which expressly gave the president full control over electronic transmissions under these circumstances. Now, here's the problem. The problem is is that this is, the, this is a power given to the president under threat of war or a state of public peril or disaster or other national emergency. Now, here's the problem with stuff like that is we just saw Trump declare a state of national emergency to build the wall. Right. They pretty much can do that like whenever they want. And then it's later on that we might fight Don't it. tell me he doesn't know all these loopholes. Yeah. You know, it's just like he's just waiting on those for an opportunity to, to <clears throat> use it. Yeah. So it's it's. It's a little bit interesting, right? Like we give them the ability to discern, oh, this is an emergency, control everything, all electronics, all whatever. Um, I thought that was fascinating. Do you know what show I just started watching? Um, I think you mentioned this on the podcast a long time ago, and I just Person came- of interest? No, oh, the, 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 men, the men in the high tower. No, mm-hmm. I haven't seen that. Oh, you haven't? No. So it's this, like, ba- this dystopian world that- when World War II happened, that the outcome was different, right? And so the United States uh, is no longer the United States. It's 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 this. half uh, uh, Japan and it's half uh-huh. uh, and it's half Nazi. Uh-huh. And it's and then there's like a, a neutral ground in the middle where it's it's neither. It's and so it's like what the world would have been like had the the World War II went the outcome was different, and then that's what happened. It's actually really interesting. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you see this 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 socialist and communist the worlds living right right next to each other on the same continent and what that's like and then the people that are trying to escape and be free and all that it's it's very well written it's on uh, Amazon Prime and i think it's on season 2 or 3 and i just found it it's called and men in men the men in high tower maybe Doug can look it up it's like or the, the men, man in the high tower there you go thank you the man in the high tower so it's uh i'm already like I don't know. I want to say I'm like six or seven episodes into it, and it's got me. It's got me hooked. Yeah, right that's now. a trippy concept. Right. right. I, I, that's a, so. I I think what happened is I think somebody said, "Oh, you should watch it," 
And it, it's definitely one of those shows that if you don't read the backstory, you're kind of a lot like I come right into it and I was like hella confused. Like what's going on? Yeah. yeah, like what the fuck? This was and it was like nah, not for me. But then when I read the backstory on the the idea of like how they wrote, it, I was like, oh, that's actually really interesting. Like mm. now I get what's going on. So I think when I went and watched it after I read about it. It made it way more entertaining to to watch it, and now it's I'm really into it. So you guys, are, are you, who's been, have you guys been watching the Ted Bundy files on uh, Netflix? No, I watched it. the first two. Dude, I did not know. I mean, so I'm not done with it uh, yet. And so the, the, the obviously for people who don't aren't familiar, it's there was a, an investigative journalist who had access to Ted Bundy after he got you know caught and everything, mm-hmm. and uh, and charged, and he got Ted Bundy to talk about all the murders and what happened. And the way he did it is by getting Ted Bundy to talk about it in the third person. Mm. So he, after like weeks of meeting with Ted, I, Ted Bundy didn't want to talk about the murders or whatever. And so finally he said, well, you know, and he, and he kind like of played... Hypothetical. Well, he played to Ted Bundy's weakness, which he was an mm. extreme narcissist. He was mm. a terrible, terrible narcissist, mm. which a lot of these sociopaths are. They are just evil and terrible but they want people to know how great they are and they think that they're super awesome and so he said to him he says you know ted he goes you're very intelligent person you're very versed in in psychology you've studied psychology what do you think uh, if somebody did these things what do you could you explain what you think the psychology behind it all would be and ted just goes right into talking about it all Mm. basically telling what happened but in the under the guise of it being, oh, this is what I think you know that they went through. Or whatever. If if you are liking that, you'll really like Mindhunter. You need to yeah. watch Mindhunter. Yeah, you've told me. Yeah, it's, you've told me. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. I got Yeah, same thing with uh, Jeffrey Dahmer too. Like I watched a, a whole series back, you know, with that, and they actually had a, a reporter um, interview him specifically, and he was very open and honest about each one of his murders and like. Why you know he was compelled to to do it the well, way dude, he did it? Think about how crazy this is. I did not know this part right here. So I knew Ted Bundy was a serial killer. Knew that part already. Did not know this. He gets caught, escapes, kills more people, gets caught again, escapes again, kills more people. Wow. Then they catch him again. Yeah. That's how fucking crazy he escaped twice. In both times after escaping, couldn't control the urge. And had to murder more people. One time, I think it was the second time he oh escaped. My God. He goes to a, a, a sorority with, with a fucking tree branch, murders four girls with a branch, with a branch, and then gets caught doing something else. Like, and it's insane. Yeah. I did not know he escaped twice and killed Damn. more people. And it feels like there were like, yeah. have there been serial killers a lot since then, or well, was that like a like they, a, they a were, phenomena back then? It was it was kind of a because he was part of the group that like started that like the serial seventies. There was shit. Time. C- serial killer didn't no one knew what a serial killer was before yeah. that. They were just unsolved. They were just was, unsolved murders. There was Jeffrey Dahmer, Ted Bundy. There was that. Who's that guy that was a clown? That was a child's clown in the John Wayne Gacy. Right? Gacy was another guy. Yeah. Like there was there was the Zodiac killer back Zodiac, then. Yeah. They didn't they didn't know what they were before, and then they started. And that's so. Mindhunter gets into kind of like that, like the evolution of the serial mm. killer, like what what it was before. Who was the first people to actually like say, hey, there's there's a possibility that all these unsolved murders that we don't know about actually are all connected. And when they piece that together and that's, and the scary part about it or what was really scary, especially probably back then 
was the the main way we, we caught murderers in the past was the connection that they had with the people. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, like I think, random, right? I think like uh, eighty or ninety is a super high percentage of murders are somebody very closely related to that person, right? And so, there's a motive. You're right, and there's a motive where these serial killings have nothing to do with that. Like, mm-hmm. it's all about the the narcissistic person trying to fill this void. And so they go and they, and they strategically murder random people that have no connection. And it's like, wow, imagine that time of being a cop and these murders are happening, and then trying to figure well, that all well, out. Well, so here's oh, yeah. so here's an here's part of the, the 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 series that really blew my mind. As I'm watching, there was a the one of the main investigators, the guy I think it was the first guy that charged Ton Bundy at this after they caught him after the second time he escaped, and they had evidence enough evidence to go after him for two of the murders, um, and then there was a third one that had bite marks, so they're going to do like a dental thing off the seat. So. He tells Ted, he says, we have enough evidence now. Because at this point, Ted's like, I'm not going to, no, no one's, I'm innocent, you know, this is a waste of time or whatever. So this guy goes to him and says, look, we have evidence now to go after you for two of these murders. And this is, talk, this, this will illustrate just how fucking narcissistic and crazy this man is. He says, I didn't do it, but when you find the man who did this, who you think that you think that I did, when you find that man, you're also going to find that he killed women in the in the three digits and he did it in six different states like he's trying to brag yeah he was trying to brag but also not brag right, he wants right. him to know like i didn't just kill two i killed a fucking whole bunch right yeah you guys, crazy yeah it's crazy that mindset they leave little traces because they do want you to they want credit for it you know and they have tokens and things that uh you know they'll leave at, at crime scenes just well, so they can like leave their marker so to speak he went down as the the biggest right like what was his total oh i don't know that's i crazy. don't know if he was the biggest i think he was was he i think so yeah. i thought it was the, the there was a someone strangler the green something strangler we should find out um but there's it's so imagine this too imagine the fear where I this has never happened in my lifetime where you know you're looking at the news and you're like oh serial killer on the loose in San Jose just killed four women is on the loose is just on a killing spree right now so mm-hmm. everybody watch out that's, well, I never lock ha- your doors like, mom- that's a weird could you imagine that <laughs> I know. well my mom was like a kid right when the zodiac killer or well, she was young right when the zodiac killer she said that was a really scary time yeah, yeah. you know they were telling you stay indoors and stuff like that like because they didn't know they didn't want women walking like when it was right. dark out and right everything. Yeah. you know i mean and imagine this you hear in the news oh ted bundy just escaped from jail please everybody be careful then the next day he killed four girls in dorm I'm like oh shit right. yeah this is insane crazy but you know what this reminds me of is because i think what ends up happening i read this article on the psychology of some of this shit and in this article they said you know the more these things happen the more likely they are to to happen again right because when you have these crazy sociopathic yeah narcissist they see how much attention that someone got like ted bundy and then that triggers them to go like 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 mass shooters or whatever. My fear with some of these series that are going ape shit on Netflix is it going to trigger? Yeah, someone? yeah. And they've been doing. I mean, all of them. Like they even had like Ted Kaczynski. Like I that was a great. That was series. a really good one. Really good. Like because think about like to your point of like, well now it's so random. Like how the hell? Like there's no way you could like tie all these things together to like pinpoint who has a motive to actually kill that person. You right. know when it's that random. Right. Uh, but but you know. 
finding all these little uh, things. Like I, I think they actually uncovered that one based off of like uh, the letters that they were receiving, and then they had like a linguist come in there and yeah. like find uh, patterns that they could like attribute to like somebody. But they, it was just it's just crazy like uh and it's fascinating more from from the detective's perspective of like trying to put it all together but yeah there's that there's that worry i have too that this is just like glorifying well this is the this is the argument that i always make when people make this argument of uh, when we have any topics and uh of awareness like oh i think it's good that we talk about this to to bring awareness to this and it's like i don't know if i i can get down with that all the time like there's a lot of things <clears throat> that happen in this country that I think a lot of people are are fully aware of, and sometimes I think all the all the efforts to try and quote unquote bring awareness to it uh, bring so much awareness to it that it attracts more of it, mm. especially and, the crazy shit uh, like the like the school shooters and stuff like that. Like I yeah. feel like that that could trigger some crazy fucker to think, oh, this is a great way to get attention. I, I, I even think it in some of the things that I think are sensitive to talk about, like uh, racism and sexism and things like that, that people are like, you know, it's still going on and we need to bring awareness to it. I'm like, you know, I don't know if that helps that much. I really don't. I don't know mm -hmm. if more people need to be more aware of it, if that's actually helping the cause. And I know I always fucking trigger people when I say that, and I'm not saying that it isn't. I'm just saying that that's how my brain works. I go, well, you know, if if you got a, a thousand people that weren't even thinking that, and now you make them aware of it, and they're not smart enough to do their own homework and research, then you automatically divide them on one side or the other. And we see this in politics well, all the time. I could see some. I could see some truth in that. Like I could see how if you're you've never experienced something uh, outwardly towards yourself. And now you're hearing about all the stuff that's happening all the time. You may be more so vigilant that you may see things that are happening that may not be happening, or right. you may think, like that actor, that you know there's a lot of virtue in being a victim, yeah. and, and and there's a lot of power in being a victim. And so you're actually going to go and make yourself a victim to get that and that attention to get people to look at you. Right, because the end of the day, like his thought process is like, if I pull this off, like I'm going to be a hero, right? Because I, you know, now I'm like stuffing this this side like they're it's going to put a big massive black eye on their cause or whatever you know uh you know along along the right side or the extremists on this end of it um but you know that then again like once it gets foiled like that now it looks like even worse you just did more well, damage especially when you look at things statistically that are potentially improving but then when you bring more awareness to it like it's not like if you look at something that we're like hate well, crimes, for example, yeah. like, you know, something that's that we're, we're improving upon every single day. And then you all of a sudden start uh, making you start pointing out all the scenarios all over the country. Like, oh, one happened over here and one happened over here. And then you make it sound like it's happening all the time. When in reality, if you compared it to five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years ago, it's been getting better, better and better. And now you have people who have never been impacted by any sort of hate crime whatsoever talking about it and, and, and picketing about it and making a big deal about it. And it's just like, no, there's I guess there's some truth to that. Look, when uh, there was an interesting study uh, that I, I learned years ago, this, you guys remember the movie Jaws, right? Oh, so yeah. Jaws for for listeners, a movie about shark attack. It was a, a got a lot of publicity. A lot of people it was a horror film, and um, when that movie came out, the public perception mm -hmm. of shark attacks uh, went through the roof. Now the reason why that happened was because people saw that movie. Newspapers started publishing when a shark attack would happen, yeah. and people started freaking out. And their you perception became hyper aware. Yeah, and yeah. people thought, "Oh shit, shark attacks are going through the roof." 
the reality is shark attacks are extremely consistent all the time. There had been no changes, but people have perceived there to be so many more shark attacks because of the movie Jaws and because of the the media then started to present to us. Because again, our brains evolved with limited communication. We evolved for most time in tribes. And so if you heard bad news, the odds were the bad news was from someone that you lived with, that was near you, that you knew, and it was important to know because shit, someone got kidnapped and it happened in my tribe and that means it's close by. So our brains have a tough time deciphering that versus someone got, you know, we live in a country of 300 million people. You know, a girl got kidnapped in Michigan my brain's perceiving it as fuck. It's the same thing as if it's happened. Well, not in to my mention not to mention that bringing an aware awareness to it doesn't necessarily eliminate it. That's not the that's and I think that's I think that's the the idea and what people are trying to do. Like, oh, let's make more people aware of it so we can eliminate. But the reality of it is, we'll never eliminate all of it. There'll always be hate. There'll always be racism. There'll always be sexism, and it's because of the way the brain operates. There's nothing that I can do about this person who lives all the way across the country who has met. You know, five, five people of of a race, of a sex, of whatever, of any sort of creed that they've met, and their five their five encounters were bad for whatever reason. Bad luck. They were assholes. Doesn't matter. But they had five. But now, what's happened is they have now solidified that in their brain, and so and the way the brain operates is it it predicts on past past encounters that it's had. It doesn't you can't eliminate that. You can become more aware of that as a person, like, hey, asshole, that's just because that's your experience. It doesn't sure. mean it's experience for everybody else. But let's be honest, the, the IQ level of us as a, as a nation, there's some people just are too yeah. stupid. Yeah. You're gonna if you're yeah, if that, you're that takes all the work from the stu- individual to stupidity and bad and 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 bad things that have happened to you in your life could will result in potential hate and racism mm-hmm. and sexism for the rest well, of your life. Well, the best way to combat that is to have more experiences in the positive. Right. With that type of situation. So, which is why if you are in an area where you encounter more diversity and you have better uh, outcomes because of that, you're less likely to stereotype people because, oh, you know, although I got attacked by four guys with, you know, blue jeans on in the past, I've also met thousands of people with blue jeans on that are really cool with me or whatever because I live in a town that exposes me to that type of stuff. So that's one of the best things you could do. But the the, the fact is, though, that you can't stop the brain from still stereotyping. It'll still, until you outnumber that, right? Until you have more good experiences with blue jeans than with bad blue jeans, the brain will still go to the the, the side that it knows. Yeah, that it's just natural. It's nature. just natural. Now yeah. that now it's up to us as good humans to to behave accordingly afterwards and not react to that, not to go slap a person in blue jeans just because mm-hmm. the five other times you've met mm-hmm. somebody in blue jeans you've had a bad experience. It's just that you you have to become aware of that, but you'll never change that. You can't change until you have more experiences that are positive well, to outweigh the negative. Society's interesting that regular butts drive me nuts. We can you know I mean? say what? Oh, sorry. <laughs> we can, um, you know, we can, and we have done this. Make some things less acceptable to say or less acceptable to do. Um, there's certain words that were common, you know, when we were kids that you don't really say today anymore. Does that really change the sentiment, or is it a reflection of a changing sentiment? Does that make sense? Like. Uh, you know, like for example, there were derogatory terms when we were kids that were used 
that that were meant homosexual. And we would say them, and we didn't say that because we meant someone was homosexual. It was just a word that we use. Like the word gay, for example. When I was a kid, that's what guys and girls, everybody said if something was like, oh, those are gay shoes. Like didn't mean that they were homosexual. just meant that your shoes were dumb or whatever. Today, that's a, a term that you don't, you don't really use anymore in that way because it's really, really frowned upon. I don't think that is what changed the sentiment. I think it's the sentiment that changed that. As homosexuality become more ingrained in normal society, as people became more accepting and tolerant, I think more and more people were like, eh, it's probably not cool if we say that. So I think that the awareness itself might be more of a reflection of the sentiment. Does that make sense? Like we talk about like uh, sexist remarks I think in the past, um, we would say things and get away with them. And today, I don't think it's necessarily that we're just trying to change the word to change the action. I think the the actions are more frowned upon, and so it's the words that start to change to reflect that. Mm. In my opinion, I think, I feel like that's that's why it moves in that direction. Although there are times when it's literally a political ploy, or or it's a it's a it's something that they've designed to to separate. For example, when. I don't remember what year it was. Maybe Doug can find out when Jesse Jackson ran for president. But uh, he was he was largely being credited as the one to get uh, when you're you know when you're talking about uh, a black person is saying black, he got it that that became a bad thing to say, and you had to say African American. That was he was one of the guys that kind of changed that. So it wasn't necessarily something that society changed. It was because he said it. So now everybody's going to start saying that when. Really doesn't doesn't you know uh, today it doesn't either one I guess is okay yeah yeah but it is interesting I think a lot of times these movements and the words and the things that we need to change and this awareness I think it's more really a reflection of a changing mm-hmm. attitude and 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 sentiment oh he was a he was a presidential nomination in 1984 and 19 so I think it was 1984 that uh, he might have done that so anyway mm. interesting anyway not to change the subject but uh, I want to mention Justin's beard <laughs> it's getting a little long now is this your first uh, yeah, time I mean, is this the longest worthy at this point right are, are you are you are you allowed to keep growing here because we've had this in the past where this gets uh, you know ex-nayed I've figured that uh, nay for the pune. Yeah, since I <laughs> since I've been all herped out as of late, you know. Oh wow! I might as well hide it with my beard of shame. Wow! So you're like, I'm not getting kisses anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I'd I'll probably get back to the trimming now that everything's coming back to normal, and uh, you know, I got a nice haircut. Do you? And, it doesn't look bad, dude. With your yeah. viore your viore clothes, you got the I beard feel, I going feel on. Kind of tough. I'm gonna be honest. It, uh, you know, it's a good it's a good solid like look. You have a good beard line too did you yeah. see speaking of viore did you see his uh his cholo pants that they actually started making for him i, I, I like them dude i'm so happy about it. i want more color options viore you know like uh, like let's let's make this a thing like everybody else out there that grew up like me that wore the chinos you had the you know the, the dickies. flannel like the dickies you had like dude isn't like, that what they're this called is coming back aren't they called what are they called they were called dickies back in the day no no, no. But- what are the viore ones called yeah, they're chino pants. Chino, yeah, they actually call them. Yeah, that. they call them yeah, chino yeah. pants, yeah. which is great. I I should have got a pair of those because yeah. I, I got the other ones. Well, they're flexible too, which is rad. Because now I can. Uh, I mean, it's not like because the other ones were were more like a, a really almost almost like the crease was was all the way down, and it was yeah. like this paper, like real hard kind of material. Like, but these are like real flexible and breathable. Uh, so so yeah, it has I the look them. of like the Dickies, but, not, look, but yeah. not the, like the. I used to wear Dickies way back in the days. Too. Did you really? Yeah, yeah. And no, I still got some in my drawers for sure. I have some Dickies shorts that I have. I still will pull those out every now and then. I like when the, nothing like a pair of Dickies that have been broken in, but it takes yeah. like four years 
of like washing. Oh yeah, because they're they're like they don't hard. relax. Yeah, yeah they're, they're just they're like, so hard. They're like plaster. But yeah. once you once you've got about a hundred washes in, and then they're and then they're all broken in. I love them. So when I was when I, when I when I was in high school, the only people that wore dickies were skaters. Yeah. Or like if you were cholo, like cholos, skaters were the yeah. only people that would wear dickies. Was it like that with you guys? Well, yeah. And I, it's funny because I kind of posted some like picture of myself like skateboarding as like I was terrible at skateboard. I knew it, you know, like I didn't, it didn't last for very long. And so and people were calling me a poser and stuff. I'm like, yeah, I totally was a poser. Bro, that was a good move you posted. I was trying. It looked, you, know? you were off, way off your board. Yeah, I was, I, I ate shit quite a bit <laughs> you know like asphalt like if you're a real skateboarder you're gonna like get hurt a lot now were you made fun of because you wore a helmet because i know in those days nobody wore a helmet to skate yeah yeah and you had a big ass red <laughs> i didn't even remember that like, like i was a, anti-helmet like a mo- moped helmet bro it looked it was, like a space ball remember space balls the big like black you, helmets they wore bro? it's like you just got off your moped bro it's like the honda pull. 90 like my dad had one of those uh yeah one of those motorcycles like the honda 90 it's like just like you know, basically an upgrade from a moped but yeah, yeah i would ride that around the neighborhood it's, and stuff. So just for the audience, it's a yeah. super round, it's perfectly circular, like a big bubble it's like round. cherry red. And it was the kind of red that you see at the carnival on the carnival uh, or the, cars. Yeah, or the ride. bowling, bowling yeah, ball. Yeah, I look yeah. Like, a, yeah, like a bowling ball. I look like a candy apple. Yeah, like yeah. what is that yeah. red? It's got like a like uh, a weird- little, little metal flakes in it. Yeah, like a weird shimmer to it. Looks like it's a deep- like, I think they call it candy apple red, yeah, don't candy they? candy apple red. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think they call it that. It's hot rod paint. Yeah. yeah, and you were how old were you in the picture? I was uh, I was like uh, 11, 12, 12. Okay, so you're eleven years old. Just to give it, just a good example of the size of your noggin. You're eleven years old. You're wearing your dad's <laughs> motorcycle helmet. <laughs> I had a dome, bro. Like ever, forever. Seriously. I feel bad like for a, my mom. Like yeah. a fucking bobblehead. It fit, uh, it fit perfectly. <laughs> oh, I had a massive cabeza. Your dad's like, here, use mine. It might be a little tight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't have much hair either, just all head. <laughs> I gotta go. I gotta go through some. You know, I I've got my my twenty year reunion this year. And Are you going? Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go. Dude. Good, you should. Yeah, I I, I plan on going. Um, is it in a, is it gonna be at a barn? I don't even know. Like, <laughs> I know you went to I just fuck off. You have a milk uh, churning party. I or? just I just uh, added added myself to the the reunion private Facebook group or whatever. So I, I don't think they have announced an official date. I think it's in September, um, but they don't have the actual date and location yet. And I know they're starting to round up uh, people donating food and drink and all the shit that's going to be there. So I don't. I have no idea. This place. I've never been to a reunion. I didn't go to uh-huh. any. Any other one, I didn't want to go to a five or a ten or anything like that. But I thought, yeah, twenty years is a long time, and there's quite a few people that um, I'm still friends with, and we just haven't got together in the last probably five years. So just going there for the excuse to connect with all of them, I think, is going to be really cool. But I've got a whole. Are there anybody in particular that you want to see? Um, like, was there like a hot girl that you just totally yeah. disconnected with, and you just is want it... to see what she looks like? Or... No, I, I, I. That's gonna sound narcissistic as fuck. How do I say that without sounding like an asshole? Uh, I, I want to look. He's like, no. I, I was the hot one. <laughs> yeah. so no, 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 no. Everyone I mean, wants I, to see me. I, da- I, I, I dated. I dated. If you know what I'm saying, I dated the hot chicks, right? Yeah. So I and I, I still am in. I don't like talk to them, but I'm in. I'm connected to them on Instagram, and most all of them are actually all married and two, three, four kids. Some of them four kids. So uh, and I see what they look like on Instagram. So I, I'm not. So like, no surprises. Yeah, there's nothing like that. I'm actually more excited about like there's a there's a group of us about twenty um, deep that are 
were really close in high school. We were all athletes, all basketball, soccer, and football players. And um, some of us, and I think some of us have all stayed connected to three or four of them really, really tight. Like within the, the, the group of 20, there's a bunch of like triplets, you know, groups. And so there's like three or four of my buddies that I've stayed really, really close mm-hmm. to that I still talk to on a regular basis. We'll all be, but all of us being back together, you know, there's, and I've got a picture. I'll, I'll try and remember to post it. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to dig out a bunch of old high school stuff since I have a bunch of photos from there and I'll post some funny shit on my story. But you, you know, there's a picture of us out in the quad at high school and there's probably 30, you know, and it's all, all of us friends and some of the cheerleaders and they're all, they're all there together. And so I'm like, I'm look. I would love to like reenact that picture. Like it's, because we were all so close in high school, and I, I think a lot of those people will still be back. So I'm excited about that. You know, reunions, it's funny. You just highlighted something like because of social media, you know what people look like and what they're doing nowadays if you really want to know. Yeah, a little now, less. It wasn't like that before where no, you literally right. were surprised. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, it was like a total shock. I went to my 10 year, and like social media wasn't quite as you know predominant as it is now. And so, yeah, that, that definitely, I had some of that. I I had like kind of kept up a little bit on, um, you know, some of my more like close friends and some people I knew that were still in the area, but there were some people that came from New York, from Europe. And, you know, I hadn't seen them literally since probably, uh, yeah like senior year in high school and it was a shock and it's it's great though i mean it's sometimes it's a shock that's good like i i saw uh this one girl that uh man she had a transformation that was just stunning and i was just i had to compliment her you know and it's like wow you know like i've i've you know you look great and there's stuff like that but for the most part it was pretty depressing yeah, you know, like you just see people and you're like, okay, oh man. I'm curious to whatever Let yourself go. What everybody's doing work wise, you know, like so I can see on Instagram like what you look like, but I'm I'm curious like where everybody is at in their lives, like what 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 avenues do they pursue? Because I remember all their personalities mm-hmm. in high school, and so it'll be interesting to see you know wh- which direction they all went. Interesting. Yeah, yeah so. I want to see. It, it's fun to see people that are killing it in in like directions and that you would have never guessed yeah professions that you're like oh wow i didn't even know you were like that smart or like crazy you know in that direction i found that that i noticed that even well before the 20 like around five and ten even the the most popular athletes kids and girls uh everything flipped so they peaked in high school yeah right exactly they peaked kind of in high school and the ones that ended up blossoming into this, like, gore- the gorgeous girl was the girl who sat in the back of the class and you never talked to her. You know, she had glasses on, her hair and pigtails and yeah. shit like that, and you didn't pay no attention to her. And then, like, when she hit 25, she, like, blossomed into this dime piece. Like, so I saw a lot of that happen afterwards. And then, like, a lot of the the badass, you know, quarterback or stud player that was, you know, the prom king or whatever like that, he... You know, those guys ended up getting sloppy. Straight up Uncle Rico. Yeah, yeah. sloppy as fuck and working at some whatever. Yeah, it's at the front desk at Ace Yeah, yeah. Time. So <laughs> it's it was, it's pretty interesting to see that. I mean, I think that's like the best advice I have for like young kids. I don't know how many we have that actually listen to us that are in high school. Is like, man, I would not worry. That is not the end. It's not. Yeah, it's not. I would not worry about where my place was at in, in high school because so much changes later on and you know the the kids that actually buckled down and probably worked hard at school and got into a good college and then kept going in that direction. Most the one you paid no attention to, 
uh, are doing big things now in their 30s. I wonder 40s. how many people go to that who are recently, like, because this is your 20 year, right? Yeah. So I wonder how many recently divorced people are going there and like, I hope I meet, like, ooh, I wonder if oh, Johnny, like, they're that. trying to hook up. Yeah. So I definitely uh, know quite a few people that uh, we had just in our own little group, quite a few people that got married or had kids really quick, you know, 20 to 25 range. Um, and I remember thinking, like, damn, they're already settling down. Most all of them that did that that early are on marriage too and on new kids. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, a lot of them are already divorced and remarried. Growing up in a minivan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll see how many minivans right, are in the parking lot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> by MAPS Anabolic. If you're looking to maximize your overall muscle and strength, MAPS Anabolic is the perfect place to start. With a full 30-day money-back guarantee, there is absolutely zero risk. So what are you waiting for? Go to mindpumpmedia.com and get started today. It's the motherfucking quad. The eagle has landed. First question is from R2 Herzog. How much time have you guys spent doing CrossFit? You don't seem to like it, but most of your comments sound like most of the naysayers who haven't actually done it. Yeah, well, oh, you know, I haven't, I haven't shot myself in the face gonna, either. Hey. But I, I know what that's going to feel like. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I'll speak for Slam myself my personally. Dick in a drawer. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you've never done that, right? How do you nah, know you don't like it? I don't know. I might. I um, I'll speak just for myself. I, I have a lot of experience in in the fitness industry. I have a lot of experience training everyday people. Okay. So I'm not talking about myself in terms of how I would like it or I wouldn't like it. I'm talking about in terms of how the CrossFit style of programming, especially in the earlier days, how that would apply to the average person. And I don't need to try it. I can see it. I can look at it. I know what their what their main goals are with it. I see how they inject exercises into circuits that should never be in circuits. I see how it's a intensity at all cost focused type of mentality in a lot of these boxes, especially early on. And I see that it's just not good. It's not good. It's going to promote a lot of overtraining, overwork. It's going to, you know, the injury rate will probably be high. And their exercise programming uh, isn't that great. So I really don't need to fucking try it. I'm kind of an expert in fitness. Really, that's the only area that I would say, I have an opinion on everything, but the one area I I could say pretty confidently that I feel, you know, like I have a, a decent amount of authority is in exercise and workout program. I've been training people for a long time, so I don't need to do a bunch of it. To do I that. did it. I did it long, long before it was cool. You know, I re- I remember when we were doing it over at my gym. I remember when I introduced it to Justin. You know, yeah. it was fucking twelve years ago. It was long time ago when we did it before it was popular and it was underground and there was, it was just up in Santa Cruz. Yeah, yeah. no, it was a very very s- small thing, and um, I remember when I caught wind of it. And a couple of us decided to start running some of the routines. I was the original frowning. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was before him. Yeah, or whatever. So, uh, yeah, no, I was. Uh, here, here's the thing: if you do it and you like it and it works for you, I'm do it. I'm cool. You know, it's a sport, though. It's not. It's not a training modality, and they've done a really they've done a really good job of trying to present it to the masses. And it just doesn't belong there. No different than any other sport belongs as the main modality of getting the average person in shape. So I would never tell somebody, uh, all the clients, not a single one of them I've ever trained, would I say, hey, CrossFit is good for you. Now, if someone came to me and they're like, Adam, 
I I don't have specific goals. I want to be healthy. I love this sport CrossFit they're doing. I enjoy it. I'm having a great time with it, and I'm in. I'm staying in great shape. It keeps me in check. I love the community. I love this. Do you think it's bad that I'm doing it? I would say no. Great. Keep doing it. If you're, it's keeping you where you want to be, you enjoy doing it. There's nothing wrong with it for that. But you got to understand the where we come from. And I apologize for the audience that's heard us talk about CrossFit fucking so many times. I mean, obviously, this is somebody who's just tuning into the show and and hearing a few things that we've said about it. But we've gone very deep on on why all of us don't like CrossFit. And it's not that we don't like CrossFit. Like I, it's like I don't like soccer. You know, mm. it's I think it I think it has a place here. I think that there's I think it's a great sport. It's fun to watch. It's competitive, uh, but I don't think that it, it is ideal for more than eighty to ninety percent of the population that's trying to get in shape. That's all. It's for the people that love the sport of it, ha- yeah. have good mechanics, can train well. It's not a healthy practice. No, I mean, it's the, you can't argue that to me. Like no. it's not, and so. For me too, like, and I, I have to be somewhat <clears throat> objective because I've given it the most criticism, and mainly because, um, you know, growing up in sports and recognizing exactly what it is, like, so for me, bashing my head against other helmets, uh, you know, in a game setting where, uh, I really enjoy that, you know, I love tackling people and I love hitting people as hard as I can, but I also recognize that's not really that healthy for my body. And it's something that I enjoy and, uh, you know, I look forward to it. And I trained to lead into a game to where that was something that uh, I knew I was like testing my body on like all kinds of different levels. Uh, But it was damaging to my body at the same time. And I knew that Uh, people don't think of CrossFit like that. And that's what irritates me. It's also counter the message that. I had at this point in my career, I had figured out was not the right message for most people. It, it, it feeds into the no days off, balls out, go to failure type of mentality, and that's not ideal for most people. Uh, and the people that it tends to attract are the competitive-minded, type A type of personality. And what it took me years and years of putting this together is those people are the worst people to be doing that type of training. They don't. They have so much stress in their life. They got so much broken. Their, their their mechanics are so broken down. So training Olympic lifts and training at high intensity is not ideal for that person. That person has so much to fix, not just in the way they move, but then also in in the rest of their life. Their their stress and their sleep and the and promoting this competitive environment for working out is just not ideal for most people. That's all it is. And if you're somebody who's listening and it's ideal for you, then that's awesome. It's look, that's good. Keep doing it. At, when you, when you're doing exercises, form makes a big difference and different exercises it makes a bigger difference than other exercises. And with some movements, form is extremely important. Extremely important. For example, a, a barbell squat it's more important to have really, really good form with a barbell squat than it would with a barbell curl. Um, you're going to get more out of good form with a squat, and you're going the risk of injury is much higher if your form is kind of off. Um, and Olympic lifts are at the pinnacle of that. Olympic lifts, mm-hmm. there's a very thin line between safe and, and unsafe with Olympic lifts. So if your form is perfect, they're safe. You got good mobility, good control, good stability, safe movements. But the second your form deviates just a little bit, 
those exercises very quickly become quite dangerous. And they're the, they're the movements at the very top of the list of that, you know, high risk with slight deviation in form. They're just at the top. And the worst thing you could do with movements like that is A, take people who are everyday people and tell them, hey, practice this exercise without giving them a long time of prepping and training and mobility work leading up to it. And two, making them do it for speed and time. That's the that's a guaranteed way to make your form go out the window. Like, look, I don't care what you do. Think of something that you do very well. So uh, I don't know. Let's say you do. I don't care. Let's say you're really good at crocheting and you crochet the greatest blankets ever, and you got really good technique. If I timed you and made you do it really fast, your skill level or your technique would diminishes. actually diminish. Anything you do for time and speed diminishes. Now let's throw fatigue on top of it. So not only are you doing it for speed and time. But now you're doing it to fatigue, and when you get tired, good luck trying to maintain anything that's, you know, any semblance of good form. And so that's just the mix. That's the, that's the mix that CrossFit puts together with a lot of their workouts and wads is speed, time, count how many reps you could do, let's throw fatigue at it. Oh, and we're not going to eliminate exercises that are extremely dangerous when form is deviated a little bit. Actually, in fact, we're going to make that the, the cornerstone of these workouts. Yeah. It's a bad it's a bad combination. Now, if for a sport, it's awesome because it's challenging, it's different, it's competitive. It can, it's competitive, but as a workout, terrible. It's a yeah. terrible workout. It's a terrible it's really, design. It's really like just like crocheting, except you're stabbing yourself with uh, <laughs> those those yeah, those needles. Next question is from Andreas I am is there a practical reason power lifters tend to be higher in body fat? <laughs> yeah. 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 Long rest periods. <laughs> Long rest periods, low reps. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, you know, when, when, is there a, a practical reason, meaning is there a benefit? Like, are they benefiting from having higher like body fat? In terms fat? of oh, just percentage. like having more mass uh, to, to throw around? Yeah. I mean, the two things I can think of are a calorie surplus Energy stores. makes you stronger, typically. So if you're in a, in a calorie surplus uh, versus in calorie maintenance versus calorie deficit, you're going to be stronger. You've just, your body's got more energy to expend. It tends to, not always, as you get really fat, this actually messes up your hormones, but up to a certain level, probably will improve uh, anabolic hormones. Uh, central nervous system output is probably going to be higher. Leverage can, can benefit being heavier on certain lifts, like squatting. As your midsection gets bigger, especially if you wear a weight belt, you tend to feel more stable when you squat, squat really heavy versus when you have a really small, tight waist. Uh, you know, it just doesn't feel as stable. Um, deadlifting, it does kind of hurt though. Bench pressing, it helps to be bigger and heavier. So it improves your leverage there. And the other thing is this power lifters just don't have to look any particular way. So I think yeah, right. I'm, I want to get stronger. Nobody gives a shit how I look. Right. It, it all, it kind of feeds into the excuse of like, well, I guess I'm just gonna eat as much as I possibly can and just push. Even if I only gain one pound on my lift, but I gain 10 pounds on the scale, right. it doesn't matter. So I think that's where a lot of that comes from. No, I agree. But I, I think that pound for pound, when you look at some of the strongest guys and girls, I think like in a good example of someone who does it better or right is uh, Ben Pollock. Like there's an example of somebody who doesn't carry his body fat really. So he carry, he carries it. He's lean pretty much year round. He lets himself eat a surplus when he needs it to, to promote uh, better lifts. But he doesn't carry a, a bunch of extra body fat. I think it can hinder you if you were to carry too much. I think, it's, it, to your point, Sal, it's it's more so that it doesn't matter, mm -hmm. right? If you're if you come to a show and you and you're in a, you're squatting or deadlifting, it doesn't matter if you're you know 
15% body fat or 30% body fat. It's just, can you get the bar up? And, and, but now, and the other thing too is the weight classes. So in the weight classes in powerlifting, they give you a little bit of a range. I don't know what the range is, but something like, I think it's like 15, 20 pounds, maybe, maybe a little less. And so let's say I'm, and I'm making up these, these are not the actual weight classes, but let's say I'm entering into a competition where the two weight classes are up to 180 or up to, you know, 195. Um, and I'm in between them kind of, it may, it might be beneficial for me to go ahead and push my weight and be at the the heaviest at the higher weight class than to be, to, to have try and cut to make it to the lower weight class, just from a strength perspective. And, and what lifters, a smart lifter will do is they weigh that all out. So they'll look at, okay, how much do lifters lift in this weight class? Am I better off trying to push into that and gain weight into it? Or am I better off cutting myself down and being lighter, but in competing with people who are, who are lighter? So these are all things that, that we, you know, but there's a stereotype, right? That powerlifters are, are fat. Mm-hmm. They just want to be strong. They don't need to be. They don't need to be agile. So yeah, I think it's really it's really more about that about eliminating a variable that you really have to pay a lot of attention to and like time and commitment towards. Um, and so I think that uh, the focus being around uh, mainly their mechanics, their lifts, their practicing the the movements. Um, and you know, just eating for fueling their energy. And so like feeling out their energy, I don't think they put like too many parameters around like staying lean, but then also like, you know, fueling themselves properly going into like performing at their optimal amount, like through nutrition. I just don't think the nutrition piece is highlighted very often. They don't, they don't, power lifters do not focus on nutrition no. not even in the same universe in terms of how bodybuilders do right? they probably even focus more on like smelling salts than they do uh nutrition it's it's about you know they'll look at their grams of protein they'll look at calories i need more calories they'll look at their weight but they're not sitting there and you know scrutinizing every single thing they put in their mouth for and, the most part yeah. there's except- i mean that's like, yeah general there's exceptions to the yeah, role, like a generalization like a ben Polk is an ex- is yeah. an exception to that i mean he carries his food around just like a bodybuilder and weighs and measures everything which i think to you know to that point they could do a bit like it could benefit them if they really did like highlight that as well, another variable this is why I, it's great for strength athletes to cross pollinate yeah i think there's a lot of things that bodybuilder we talk about all the time how much bodybuilders can learn oh, from can learn absolutely body i think Powerlifters can also learn a few things uh, from, you know, from bodybuilders. You know what I've been noticing? I don't know if you guys have noticed this recently, but there seems to be a growing trend of girls entering into powerlifting. Like mm, for yeah. a while there, it was bikini I've and whatever. Too, yeah. Now girls are entering into into powerlifting. How do you guys feel about that? I love it. Yeah, I love it. I think that it's we're getting rid of this. Uh, you know, idea that weights make you bulky and look like a man. And I think more and more girls are becoming aware of the benefits of lifting heavy ass weight when it comes to building and sculpting the body. And then also being also comfortable and okay with like owning what your body looks like and being proud of being a strong mm-hmm. woman. And it's you don't have to be this skinny looking anorexic model on a cover of a magazine. And so I think that's also becoming more popular. So I think the combination of those mm-hmm. things is what's driving that. It's just another, like, awesome, empowering tool. You know, it's something that, like, I think it's great women learn, like, some of those techniques and that they're more capable than they probably realize, you know, to lift heavy weights. I love, man, I think one of the most attractive things in the gym is to see a 
a woman lift heavy ass deadlift or a squat. Is, yeah, with good mechanics, a, I, yeah. all, I always get my attention. I, th- I think it's I rarely think it's, ever will I not walk over and say something if I see a girl that's pulling really good weight or squatting and with really good mechanics. Oh, it's awesome. I think um, I think it's a great thing because I think powerlifting changes the focus from what what a lot of the female. Well, the reason why a lot of women get into working out is to, and men is to change how they look. But mm-hmm. a lot of the common sports that they'll enter that revolve weight training are, you know, like bikini and, and, and stuff like that, which makes you focus heavily, heavily on how you look and you got to look a certain way and be certain leanness or whatever. Powerlifting is awesome because it takes that the focus off that. And it's all about how much you can lift, which means you got to eat more. You can't starve yourself. You got to feed yourself more. Well, I think it's cool. Like, also, like, why I think we highlight different attributes and different pursuits a lot with our MAPS programs and things, why we want people to try these other avenues out is because it, it, it carries over into uh, if I do want to look more aesthetically pleasing, like that still will help aid in building a stronger base to build off. Well, of. I was talking to somebody on Instagram uh, a while ago and she was asking about what if I thought it was a good idea that she competes in bikini but then also competes in powerlifting and you know not at the same exact time but she'll do bikini and I thought it was a great idea I thought to myself like what a great if you're competitive minded and you need to sign up for something to have that goal or whatever what a great way to kind of negate the negative potential negative effects from bikini competition like what a great way to learn how to reverse diet focus on strength rebuild your metabolism by doing a powerlifting show in between bikini competitions hmm. and and it'll benefit the bikini competitions cuz now you're going in with more muscle mm-hmm. faster metabolism you're not sitting there you know you know and, and it i think now of course it could go negative you could do the whole binge and cut type of thing but um, I thought it was a good. I thought I think it's a good thing. I'm, no, I'm really it's excited. A, it's a uh, it's a great thing. I actually know two girls that, uh, that I was actually just trying to look up their Instagram so I could share. Uh, Amanda, I think Amanda Chu is her name, and she's a pro bikini athlete, and she also competes in in powerlifting. And then the uh, other one was Tina Trong. Uh, I knew both of them. They were competing the same time I was. I believe. Amanda still competes, but not Tina. Uh, but they both had in, incredible bodies, incredible physiques, and they also they would power lift. They would flip flop back and forth. So they would be they would train for a bikini show, then they power do a power lift. Yeah, don't meet. you feel like that mm-hmm. will keep you help mitigate the negatives that come from just bikini? bikini well, not only bikini. that, it just it just helped. The problem with bodybuilders, and that's including bikini athletes. So the problem with bikini athletes and bodybuilders, for sure, they're listening to this. It is very very rare. I see them lifting singles, doubles, and triples. You yeah. just don't see it still. They just don't train for that kind just, of performance. They just don't train. They just have decided in their head that that's more in the powerlifting area. It doesn't benefit me as much as training in the 6 to 8 rep range or 8 to 12 or 12, 15 or supersetting everything. So bodybuilders, including women's bikini athletes, all tend to weigh heavy on the high rep still and supersetting. And even if they listen to Mind Pump and they started to lift somewhat heavier weight, you still rarely see singles, doubles, and triples unless you're somebody who's getting training for mm-hmm. powerlifting. And so I think that that's the real benefit is you if you do something like that. If you're going, to, if you're following a like a like a Jordan Shallow or a Ben Pollock's program for getting ready for a, a competitive uh, powerlifting show. I mean, man, the the amount of muscle that you're going to build 
during that time, especially if you come from the bodybuilding world. I, I think it'll blow most men and women away. Well, you'll find you're... that the the comments we get, the most positive comments from people who do MAPS Anabolic are these competitors who never train in that phase one style training. Yeah. And they're all blown away it by was it. The th- I mean, we talked, you know, those that have been listening since day one know that I shared this on the show. It was a game changer for me. Because I was that, I, the reason why I speak so passionately about it is I fell right in the camp too. I was the same way. I never, if the, a low reps for me meant five or six reps, like that's the bottom, like I would ever, and that was rare that I would even do that. So when I really got into trying to increase my deadlift, my squat, and I wasn't so focused on how I looked, as a byproduct, I ended up building this impressive back that I'd worked so hard for so many years mm-hmm. doing all these isolation moves and doing all these 8 to 15 to 20 reps. And man, my doing dropping down to mm-hmm. single heavy deads and squats. Oh, it's it, also the, the psychology changes. I think the big thing, like if you're if your focus is aesthetic and then you move to a performance based focus, I think that can facilitate more of a healthy outlook on exercise, you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. now your your eyes are off of the aesthetics, and you're, you're not really a, just focused on performance. You're, you're not identifying with one or the other. Yeah. That's yeah. I 100% agree with. I love that, and I love bouncing a, around like that. And I highly encourage anybody listening to the show that if you've ran one of our programs, don't just stick to that one program. Yeah. The, the whole reason why we created all the different ones, especially the the red, the green, the black, like that's. To me, I think everybody should at least rotate through those and then and then whatever you do from there. But there's so much benefit and carryover that come from those those different programs. Next question is from Clay B. Williams. As a student, I spend a lot of time sitting down. What are some everyday things I can do to minimize the negative effects? So this is crazy. Um, I'll tell you guys an interesting story. I had a client uh, early on in my career who, old lady who hired me, so she was... I think she was in her 70s. This was early on in my career. And she comes in and her daughter hired me to train her. And one of the things her daughter wanted me to do was to alleviate some of her her back and neck pain. And she had a... And you don't see this as much today um, as, as maybe you saw a long time ago, but she had a, a hump on her back. Have you ever seen an old person with yep. like a legit mm-hmm. hump in their back? And I didn't realize that that a lot of that had become permanent. What happens over time with some of these humps is the because of osteoporosis, it's like microfractures develop and it mm. almost heals in this stuck, uh, you know, kind of position. And you can correct some of it through exercise and strengthening muscles, but some of it kind of becomes permanent. And that was the first time I realized that your body just over time starts to mold itself. Yeah. After what positions it's in most often. Mm-hmm. So now how does this apply to what we're talking about? Well, today in modern societies, the thing that we are doing most often by far physically is sitting. And so we're in this, think of the sitting position, right? Don't, don't even think about a perfect sitting position. Nobody ever sits like super like they're in the military. It's usually this kind of slouch position. Hip flexors are shortened. Hamstrings are shortened. Uh, core is completely disengaged. There's no need for your core to be engaged when you're sitting up, except for maybe when you're yelling uh, for someone to grab you a sandwich or something like that. So you're 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 sitting in this position. Your body's literally molding itself to that position. And so the 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 number one most important everyday thing you could do to minimize the negative effects of sitting 
is to sit less. Yeah. Walk. Man. You know, that's the, that's really the at the end of the day, that would be number one is okay, yeah. you know, what can I do? What exercise do I offside or whatever? And we can get into that. But before you get into that, the first thing you could do is literally just start sit. minimizing your sitting. That's it. Just sit less. So if you're working at a desk, if you have the uh, opportunity to stand, um, then do that. If you have the opportunity to sit on a physio ball and kind of move your hips around while you're working, do that. If you can get on your knees and kneel on something and work on your computer, do that. Like try doing different things that are different from the the sitting because. That is the thing that you're doing most of the time, and your body is starting to shape and mold itself. Well, I, I like that you said that, though, because there's always people that you're going to find that are going to give you little tips and tricks and little hacks to, like, stretch certain muscle groups. But, like, the if you're predominantly sitting, like, like that's what your body, you're just going to keep telling your body that's the priority, and it's, it's going to overcome whatever little stretch you're going to interrupt it with. Uh, so that you have to just keep that in mind that that's, uh, that if it's the majority of your day, like this is something that your body's going to sort of form into. So now to like, I mean, you definitely want to break that up and don't get me wrong. It, it is valuable, but, uh, to, to combat that is going to be tough, uh, to where we need to, we need to implement a, a proper strength program on top of that to, to be able to get your body to respond and, and not form into these positions, so the biggest game changer for me, and I, <clears throat> I think I just talked about this on the podcast the other day, was getting to the point, uh, which took a lot of work, um, a lot of stuff that's in Prime and Prime Pro, uh, a lot of 90-90s, a lot of combat stretches, a, a lot of zone one test in Prime, and handcuff with rotation, and thread the needles, and I've worked my ass off on my ankle mobility first, then my hip mobility, and recently my thoracic mobility. And since then, I, I can now sit in this deep, deep squat <clears throat> all the way down where I'm, I'm actually at rest. Uh, and for the first time in my life, like it's, I've never been that comfortable in that deep of a squat. And what I have found is... Um, I've completely eliminated any of the, the low low back pain. Uh, I've eliminated the bursitis in my hips. I don't have achy knees like I used to. I have way more of ankle mobility than I've ever had. And so now now that I've done all the work and then I put it in, and to Sal and Justin's point about just like trying not to sit anymore, like, yeah, I, I try my best. But then there's, you know, you sit at a desk or you sit on a podcast or we can't get away from that. But what I've done now that I never used to do and for me, these are my habits because I have dogs and things like that. Very first thing I always do when I come into my house, my dogs always greet me, and I immediately drop down into the the that baby or the or the squatted position where I'm asked to grass, and I'm comfortable there. And so I'll sit there and I'll rub on the dogs and I'll play with them and I'll talk to them and I'll do that in that position because I've become so comfortable with it. So now I've just made a habit of of doing that as regular and as often as I possibly can throughout the day. Uh, Katrina and I could be watching TV and talking and I'll slide off the couch real quick and I'll get down in that squatted position and I'll sit there for a little bit. I'll, I'll text and, and go through my DMS and I'll sit in that position. And I've just gotten myself really comfortable with being all the way in that position. Now, what's great about that is that it, I'm not walking, I'm not exercising, I'm not doing something that is like really takes a lot of effort, but I'm just, I'm putting myself in a position that really promotes 
good ankle mobility, good hip hip health, mm-hmm. and then also good thoracic mobility. And now that I've put all the work to get there, now as long as I just kind of incorporate that in my life, I've found that I'm not do- I'm doing. 80% less mobility work than I was doing just a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but it took a ton to get to where I'm at. Now I just got to make sure I do those little things. And I just recently posted on my Instagram, I was showing me doing the, uh, you know, the overhead squat. And it's really, it's challenging. That's challenging for me to do it, but I couldn't even do that before. And now, like, that's going to be something that I kind of regularly do into my routine, not because I'm trying to do CrossFit, not because I care about getting super strong there. I just want to k- promote the, the good mobility in those three areas that I've put a lot of work in. And so if you're somebody who is concerned about this and you too already maybe have low back pain or are battling these issues, put the work in. This is exactly why Prime and Prime Pro were created. And you know what? It's it's not going to be a week. It's not going to be a couple months. Like It's going to take a long time. It took me mm-hmm. a long fucking time of being very consistent with it. But where I'm at now is a very exciting place because – I don't have to put all the work in. I just got to, now I have to have these just little habits that I do. And as long as I am aware of that and I, and I keep, keep those good habits, I think overall, like it's, I'm going to have combated a lot of the issues I would have had. Yeah. too. to, um, as far as things like creating these rituals and, and these sort of priming, uh, like first thing when I get up, like to, to kind of speak upon that, like for myself, I'm driving all the time and I'm experiencing pain as a result of this uh, repetitive pattern that I've, I've taught my body in terms of, uh, you know, this external rotation of my foot. And then I'm constantly uh, going through that plantar flexion and that dorsiflexion and, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm squeezing and, and constantly going through this repetitive motion, uh, which is affecting my quad. And I'm getting this like, ah, oh, this, this pain that, 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 you know, accumulates and it, it, it actually trickles down now into my leg. And so anyway, I'm trying to address this first thing in the morning. I'm trying to get internal rotation of the hip and I'm trying to prime that as much as possible. I'm trying to get my hips in a better position. And then I go onto my drive, which takes up about, I want to say like maybe two and a half, maybe three hours of my day where it's like, I'm in this gridlock of like constantly going through this repetitive motion. And so I've been really adamant about like, uh, at work or like before then I get back in my car. And then when I get home, like I apply this same ritual that helps to con like counter, um, that, that same, t- cause I know I'm going to have to do those movements anyways. So if I, if I know I have to sit all the time, I'm going to, I'm going to ritualize every moment I have the rest of the day to, uh, get in like hip extension, to get in this standing, like open, tall position, like uh, upright posture. Um, so those moments and those opportunities, I, I highly suggest it just becomes, uh, the other part of your day as much as possible. Well, you don't want, you definitely don't want to wait until you hurt, you know, but when your body starts to hurt, it's, it's already down, it's already pretty far down the path. And if you keep waiting, then you start to get, develop injury. You want to stop before you get to the point where you have uh, pain. Um, here, I used to recommend this to some of my clients who would have issues sitting down. And it, it's not much, but it actually adds up to quite a bit. And I would tell them, every hour you're at your desk, uh, spend five minutes doing some stretches and exercises. That's it. So every hour you set your alarm, alarm goes off, you stand up, do some stretches, squat down, do some band exercises, time yourself for five minutes doesn't take much. You waste way more time than that by answering your friends on 
Facebook or Instagram or whatever, then sit down and see what happens. The clients that did it, because the problem is, of course, people have to do it, but the clients that did it got great results. They got leaner. Um, and part of the reason why they got leaner is if you think about it, oh, five minutes, that's nothing. Well, if you're at your desk for six hours, that's 30 minutes of exercise. That's 30 minutes of exercise that you did spread out five minutes every hour. Um, so people would get leaner. Uh, the other thing was, of course, people felt like they had less pain. They felt better. And then the third one, which was uh, unexpected, was my clients would tell me that they had better focus and they were more productive. Um, and we now know why. I mean, when you move, you improve, you increase BDNF in the brain and blood flow to the brain. It shows you, people show cognitive improvements when they get up and move in between taking tests or answering questions on tests. I found this for myself when I developed MAPS Anabolic and did the trigger sessions where after a trigger session, I just felt like I had a nice, like a small jolt of caffeine or something. Kind of, it kind of woke me up. So, I mean, you can do that too. You're at your desk every hour, five minutes, time yourself and just do some light stretches, some light movements at your desk, squat down, you know, pull the band, you know, do some band pull aparts, whatever. You don't even have to be super specific. I mean, you could do maps, prime pro stuff and get real specific, or you could just move around and do what kind of feels good. Uh, not nearly as effective, but way better than what you're doing now. And then see what happens. Next question is Elijah Lou. How do you build confidence in yourself as a trainer besides just getting more experience? Stay in your lane. One of the one of the, the good answer. Yeah, one of the best things you could do, mm. or one of the worst things you could do as a new trainer, I should say, is uh, going off and talking about or teaching things that you don't feel fully confident in. Um, mm. First off, you run the risk of saying the wrong thing or teaching someone the wrong thing, which is embarrassing and will reduce your your value to your client. Uh, and uh, the second thing is you, when you tend to do that, you know, and you don't feel confident. And so when you're teaching things that you're not versed in, uh, it comes across. Mm -hmm. And so I would get, you know, this is something I would address all the time with new trainers. You know, they'd come to me like, Hey, look, I'm a new trainer. I just got certified. I got these clients. I'm a little nervous. And I'd say, okay, stick to what you know and what you're confident in. If all you're confident in is traditional resistance training exercises and some stretches, then stick with that. It's going to benefit your client tremendously, and it's way more than they know. That's why they're hiring you. They don't even know what the the what exercises to do. You at least know that, so do that. And, and then, of course, the second thing, which they mentioned uh, to build confidence, is experience. The, the better you do, the longer you train people, the more you learn, uh, the more you see what works as you apply it, the more confident you become, and then the, 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 the wider your scope uh, becomes. But initially, when you first get started and you have no experience, do what you know and don't do anything else. Yeah, I mean the days of fake it till you make it, people are done. Like I just I don't see that being a valid option anymore. Anyways, and I knew some guys like that. Like when I was first getting started, I could see uh, the level of price points they would present. Um, you know, the the obviously the confidence was there, but it was not backed by. Uh, you know, true experience. And, um, you, you know, that that came through to me, but not everybody picked up on that. And so there was a lot of that could get, you know, they could get away with it more because it wasn't as accessible on the phone. You know, this information that wasn't as readily available like it is today. So just don't get caught up in that trap of uh, trying to wow and impress, uh, you know, your client. Like, I think that's great advice, you know, that Sal gave in terms of just knowing what you know best. Like, if if you if you lead with I want to help you and I'm passionate about wanting to get you uh, what you're here for and and like I I will 
if I don't know something, I'll ask somebody, I'll get some help and bring that in and be sort of like that vehicle to, to provide that to you. But um, I'm going to speak upon what I know and, and I'm going to help you to guide you in that direction. And it's as simple as that. People really appreciate that. Just the passion behind it. I've talked about this on the show before <clears throat> because when I started, I didn't know anything. And, and this was a common question that trainers that I hired would, would ask me when they'd sit down and I know when it would come time to, okay, we're starting work. You're now officially a trainer get out there and start training clients. And the, the, there's this huge fear of, oh my God, you know, what am I going to do if I get a doctor who knows so much more than me or what am I going to do this? And like, they're, they're just so insecure about their, their knowledge. And first of all, uh, including doctors, 80 to 90% of the people that you're going to deal with, uh, you probably just your one national certification and your little bit of experience you already probably know more than most of them in in what you're about to do, which is training clients how to work out and to eat better. So th that's the first thing is to just be uh, know that you're probably way further ahead than you think you are. And then I normally I would pick one thing. So for me, it was the it was the transverse abdominis, the core. <laughs> you know, like that was just like mind blowing to me when I was a new trainer. I didn't know up until being a trainer. I did not know what the core was. I didn't know what it was responsible for. I didn't realize how important it was. And I had this whole spiel. You know, I used to tell people that the most important muscle in your body, besides your heart, because without your heart, you're dead, is your core. You know, and your core is made up of the 28 different muscles that surround your spine and support it. And most people, one, don't even know about it. And two, they don't know how to activate it and work it. So I'm going to teach you about that. It's so funny you still have that memorized. I do. Just like, <laughs> that just shows you how many times I said it as a, as a young trainer uh, because it's all I knew. Yeah. I, but uh, I, I, I was fascinated by the information that I had learned. Um, I was continuing to learn more and more. I found ways to incorporate it into the training and then in my sales presentation when I would present to them. And what was great was almost always, especially back then, because obviously core is a little more popular now, but back then they, they were just like, wow, I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that it was that important. And no, I don't know what my core is or how to activate it or you know do the drawing maneuvers. I was just fascinated by that little bit of information because it was more than I had before that. So- find an area that you are interested in within training and dive deeper into it and go as far as you can and stick to teaching that. And and I think most people will think, and hopefully it's something solid. Uh, I, I can give you some other ideas of like where I would go if I was a brand new trainer. Uh, there's some, there's a lot of common themes that we find when you start training lots of people. One of them being that almost everybody will have upper and lower cross syndrome, which is the the rounding of the shoulders and the forward head, and then the the stick in the butt out or the pelvic tilt. So yeah, learn about that. Le like yeah, yeah, literally, like literally, do all the homework and research on why that is. Desk and phone posture. Right. What what muscles cause the body to be formed and shaped that way? Which ones you do to address that and fix that? And like literally learn that inside and out. And that'll be like your ace in the hole always. You could be taking somebody who's been training their whole life and working out and know all the gym and all the machine equipments and they've dieted for a competitive show. And so they know diet really well. But I bet you, you could school the shit out of them on upper cross syndrome or lower cross syndrome and what causes that and show them that they they suffer from that and then how to correct that inside the gym. 
And holy, and if you don't have that knowledge, like again, this is another shameless shameless plug for the same programs. This is what Prime and Prime Pro was all about. Prime and Prime Pro, the reason why we created those programs is we know that like of all the things that I taught people, that was like the first thing was to, to assess them, to assess their movement, to see where there was breakdown, and then to teach them why there was breakdown, and then to give them exercises to fix that. That is like the magic recipe for almost everybody. Who cares what their goal is? Fat loss, build muscle, jump higher. That's all, and yeah, we can do that. We can get better at that. You'll get experience, and sure, that might be their initial goal, but everybody needs help with overall posture. So teach them that. I once had a trainer who, she was a uh, a yoga instructor. She'd been doing yoga for a long time and had only done resistance training for a short period of time. I think it was like a year of resistance training, but years of yoga. She went and got a national certification and then became a trainer. And she was really worried about it. She was really um, insecure about, you know, her, her knowledge about resistance training. And I remember she, you know, she came to me and she's like, you know, I, I don't have the confidence. Like, what do I do? And I said, look, stick to what you know really well. Like, you know yoga really well, right? And you know a little bit of res- resistance training. Incorporate your yoga into training all these different people. Just make sure it's appropriate. And that's what she did. And you know what? She got a lot of clients because of it because it was different and because she was training in an area that she was confident in. And of course, over time, she was able to learn more about resistance training and correctional exercise. But at the end of the day, stick to what you know. Don't pretend like you know more than you than you do. Um, and then as you be as you do this over time, experience is the best confidence builder that there is out there. Uh, and with that, look, if you go to mindpumpfree.com, you can download any of our guides for free. We got a ton on there for free. So go check them out. Also, if you want to learn more about us, your hosts, we have our own personal social media pages on Instagram. You can learn more about Justin at Mind Pump Justin. You can learn more about me at Mind Pump Sal and Adam, Mind Pump Adam. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.